a chance here today. He makes his international debut. You're listening to Dr. James's One Cap Wonders. He asks, was one enough or was it one too many? I was going to say not nothing butter, but I still I still think I, I should have had more caps. And I, I'd re- represented Scotland at every age from, like I was saying, schoolboy age. And I was captain, captain of the schoolboys, captain of the 16s, the, the 17s, 18s, all the way up through to the captain of the under-21s. Loads of caps with them, and I just thought it was a, a natural progression, really. It's something the fans have wanted for him for such a long time. He finally gets his first international cap. So, Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on One Cap Wonders. If we could take it right back to the start, was football always on the cards, or was there something else that you would have ended up doing? No, it was pretty much always on the cards. I think, like most footballers, it's something that's they've probably born into. You know, a family member pushing them, or a relative that may have played. Um, mine's was the family member pushing me, and my dad pushing me to kind of probably live his dream. And you know, it's a lot for a parent to forget that when you're actually going through the process and you're you're playing the game, you forget that how you got there it was was somebody driving you to games when they probably were hung over on a Sunday morning. Um and you know, my dad was certainly that. So a lot to thank for that. Um school, I was always good at school right enough. So um I didn't mind school at all. But when football was was quite uh, prominent in my life in high school ages, I was part of the Scotland school boy team, the Victory Shield side that at that time, we were lucky. It was the games were broadcasting Sky Sports, so I was getting taken out of school for that, and we were going and playing um, Northern Ireland, Wales, and England, and that was really the beginning of seeing what it was like to kind of be on the elite level at, at that age group. So from there, probably you know, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen year old. That's that's kind of where my head was at, and as soon as I got the opportunity. Um, which was a full-time contract at Dundee United at 16. Uh, I'd done my standard grades at that time, got good results, but then I left straight after that to embark on the career. And was there ever a point where you thought it, it might have stopped or were you always confident you were on a trajectory and you had a plan and a structure and this is the way it was going to be, you were going to be a pro footballer? After 16, there was no thinking ahead, what if or or maybe not. It was always, I'm going to make it. Uh, I thought I would make it, but I knew pretty early on that my my career would be um, a pretty short one in comparison to to the normal footballer who would go on to 35, 36, 37. Um, I I picked up an injury when I was 16, um, my first year. And it was after a a Scotland, uh, Scotland under 16 away trip. I think it was in Ireland, actually. And I came back, (laughs) my my knee was hurting me. Played a couple of games and went and got a scan and it seen there was a tear in the cartilage. And the surgeon told me at that time it needed um, a bit of work. And I managed to kind of nurse through, uh, played my debut for, I think, Dundee United, um, broke into the first team. And then uh, it happened again. The surgeon quickly told me I've, I, I had problems with both cartilages and this was going to be an issue and my career would be kind of curtailed that way. So I had to kind of make peace with that then. Um, but of course, when you're young, 
yeah, never really, you never really see that end moment. You never really see your thirties when I was seventeen at that stage. So I just thought it'd be okay. Um, and you know, it was only later stages. You know, my time at Celtic, uh, and then latterly at Bristol City, it just came to a head. You know, uh, mobility issues and. And at that time, I then started my coaching badges and in, in preparation for what was coming next. You, um, while you were aware of your own, I suppose, mortality and your own vulnerabilities, did that impact the way you played, or did you always just go out and just give it everything, or were you conscious that you had to be a little bit careful? No, not really. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, no, probably should have. You know what? It's a good point because I just went out and played, um, and and I didn't know any other way. However, the, the physios and doctors were always great with me. Every club I was at took a lot of time with me. And I maybe should have listened to their opinion a bit more. Um, I probably realise that now because they were always trying to try and help me manage my, my training week. And of course, when you're young and you're wanting to be in that first team this Saturday, you're wanting to train every single day. Because Especially when I went to Celtic, you know, the level of competition there. Um, you've got another two or three international right backs um, competing for your place. Didn't want to miss a day's training, even though the manager and the physios and the doctor were saying, look, you need to lighten your load here and you kind of do what everyone else is doing. And I sort of kind of ignored that a lot, which may have may have resulted in me probably missing more games than I should have. Maybe if I took more care um, during the week, I, I would have played more games at, at the club um, and then it was only latterly when when I physically couldn't train every day, and that's when when I did kind of curtail the way probably I played when I was getting older. And it did affect me; it did hamper me. There's no doubt about it. It was kind of there was no gradual decline. It was almost like falling off the edge of a cliff. One minute I was quick and mobile; the next minute, you know, guys were walking past me. So I knew it was time to call it a day. You did have some really good seasons. You did have some really good years. What sticks out for you as as maybe one of the highs from your career? Highs. Well, when I went to Colm, when I went to Celtic, I was fortunate that I, I went there at a time that Champions League qualification was automatic. There was none of this going through qualifiers. So within six months, seven months, I went from playing Dundee United, which I loved. I loved Dundee United in front of 5,000, roughly five, 6,000 fans every week to playing at Old Trafford in the Champions League. You know, a competition that I'd, I'd watched my whole life. And uh, and there I was standing there across for some of the greats. You know, Ronaldo and Rooney and whoever else was getting gigs was playing that day. And there I was, you know, standing there playing that. So that was that was quite remarkable. Um and then probably in my middle spell, in my time at Celtic, I was there for six and a half years. But, you know, probably around about the 2010 period, that's where I, I felt I played my best football. And, uh, you know, had some great times there. Um, scored some goals. It took all that time for me to actually score a goal. Celtic, but then like three came in the space of a couple of months. So it was quite remarkable in that sense. So I really enjoyed that period. Um but although I've had lots of woes with, with my injuries and when you miss games and miss big games, miss quite a few Champions League games and important uh, cup games for Celtic, um, you get really down. But 
you need balance. Uh, some of the highs that I managed to uh, or be lucky enough to be involved in are just incredible. People would, would kill to, to get that. So uh, I'm well aware how fortunate I was. This is Dr. James's One Cap Wonders. He's on the hunt for the Chumba Wombers of international football. And along that road came the call for the national team. How did that come about? Or, and what was it like for you and for your dad, especially? Well, it was amazing. You know, I was going to say not that I'm bitter, but I still, I still think I should have had more caps. And I'd re- represented Scotland at every age from, like I was saying, schoolboy age. And I was captain, captain of the schoolboys, captain of the 16s. The the seventeens, eighteens, all the way up through to the captain in under twenty ones, loads of caps with them, and I just thought it was a, a natural progression. Really, so it was just a matter of time. Especially when I signed for Celtic, I I represented the B team, Scotland B team, in Germany uh, when I was still at Dundee United. So I thought next step went to Celtic, and just nothing came. No call came. I was playing Champions League football, still nothing came. I don't know why. Uh, and then it, it came, and that, that period I was talking about, 2010, two, uh, 2011. So it was a season under Neil Lennon. Uh, we're playing some great football. Away game at Aberdeen. I kind of switched off to the national team because I thought I'm never getting the call now. Uh, I remember I was playing centre half at Pataudry that night and I scored my first goal. It all just happened at once. Scored my first goal for Celtic. After the game, the media told me, and the presser after it and says, "You've how does it feel to be called up? I had no idea. So it was quite a nice surprise. And then I went and I, and I heard uh, I was in the squad. So it was it was a great moment for me, obviously for my family. And uh, I thought, <laughs> I really did think it'd be the start of maybe a, a prolonged career uh, in Scotland, even if I w- wasn't starting in the games or I'd still be in the squads. And uh, it didn't quite work out that way. Had you always dreamed of playing for your country or was the club stuff more of the priority? No, no. no. Listen, I, I'd always dreamed of playing for my country. Sort of wore off a bit and then club stuff became, you know, your bread and butter and what I was concentrated on the longer it went without me getting selected. And it, look, it was difficult at that period because when I, even when I was at Dundee United, I seen guys getting called up, you know, Stevie Thompson and the like would would go away with the team. And I thought, geez, I, re- I really want to be a part of that. When I went to Celtic, you can imagine, in international weeks, the dressing room was empty because if the guys weren't away with Scotland, they'd be away with some other country around the world. So there was only like a select few years left just kicking their heels about the place. And, I, you know, as the years went on, you thought, Geez, when, when, what, what am I doing not to get picked? There was obviously a reason. There was obviously good players ahead of me at that period. Um, I was involved in the national team, um, but I still always wanted to play. You always want to represent your country. It's a great honour, and and it was the <laughs> the few minutes I got. I mean, it's still still special. You can still say that represented Scotland at every level. I ticked that last box, even even though I did wish it was a wee bit longer than I got. What what was your appearance like, if you don't mind talking through it? I, I um because yeah, you, you, I know you joke about it as well a little bit. Uh, well, 
So it was against Northern Ireland. It was in the Carlin Cup, that prestigious cup that we were involved in all those years ago. Um, I saw Northern Ireland. It was in the Aviva Stadium. Uh, listen, we were 3-0 up. And Craig Levine was manager. He turns to the bench, and I think he made something like three subs at that time. I was one of the subs. I came on just, just before the hour mark, so I got about half an hour. And I loved it. I loved coming on. I loved just being a part of it. It just felt different, you know, playing, um, you know, not playing with the same guys that you play with every week. Now, I'd been used to that when I was growing up, going through the 16s, 17s, 18s, 21s. Um, but when I didn't have it for so long, it's quite unusual, but did enjoy it. And uh, it was a great experience sitting there after the game thinking, right, OK, represented my country. That's That's fantastic. First cap out the way. Um, let's let's crack on and get some more. Little did I know that was it. <laughs> and when when the managers changed, did, did you think, well, hold on now, there's a change of the guard here. I'm still in the frame. I've been capped at every level. I've been captain of underage teams. Someone else might give me a text or a WhatsApp or give me a shout. Well, I thought that before. So bear in mind when I was active playing. So I went through. Bertie Volts was giving everybody in their dog a cap at that time at Dundee United. And I was playing well for Dundee United. But he went uh, without me getting a cap. Um, then the the future team game, the B team or whatever it was called at that time, Tommy Burns took the team, but it was Walter Smith. He was just being appointed and he actually came into the dressing room. He didn't take any of the, the, the team, but he came in and wished us all well. So I thought, brilliant, I'm going to impress the, the, the new manager here. And I thought I did all right. I think we got pumped 3-0 right enough against Germany that night, but I thought I did all right. And uh, Walter never picked me. And then who else was after Walter? Was 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 Burley in there somewhere? And then, anyway, so I went through a whole selection before I even got to Craig Levine. So I'm grateful for Craig Levine actually p- <laughs> picking up the phone and 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 saying come along because uh, nobody else was willing to give me a chance. So anyway, I, you know, I regret the way it worked out. I don't think it was through my doing really. I mean, we we then after after my uh, cap, we then played Brazil at the Emirates. So I mean, that was an amazing trip to be involved. It's not every every player gets to come up against that uh, and it was a brilliant training week away, loved that, we went to La Manga so I got the full experience of training with the squad, got to really know everybody behind the scenes um, obviously a sub against Brazil sitting at the Emirates and uh, <laughs> I think about seven of the subs got on and it was me and I think maybe Chris Maguire were the only two that didn't get on against Brazil at the Emirates so it was a wee bit sick at that, I thought oh, and uh and then after that, we went to play Republic Ireland at the end of May. And uh, the before-mentioned knee injuries, those were in full swing at the time. And I was advised by the physios and doctors at the end of the season, you know, that you've had a long season for you, that's that downtime. It was a meaningless game. And I, I pulled out the squad on advice, medical advice, to, to rest my knee. Phone Craig, he was, seemed fine over the phone about it. Okay, that's fine, that's understandable. Um, well, maybe we'll see you again when the games come round. Never picked again, never selected, never heard anything again. And that was that was the end of my Scotland career. 
You're listening to Dr. James's One Cap Wonders. He's looking for international football's Chesney Hawks. Were you eligible to play for anyone else? Could you have played for us or for Northern Ireland? Or is there any else you... No, no, listen, unfortunately, no, all my family are purebred Scottish people. So, you know, I've not even got an Australian granny or anything like that. I could have went to numerous World Cups and things like that. Nah, that... <laughs> I just so Scotland was my full uh, full focus, um, but they just uh, the, 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 look. There was other good players. See, at that time, Alan Hutton was was playing right back at that time, um, forging a career for himself in the English Premier League. You know, went for big money, so he was the number one right back. Stephen Whitaker was playing for Rangers at that time, but remember that was the run that was around about the time they got to. The UEFA Cup final, so playing in big games, and I can't remember who was on the other side. Phil Bardsley was playing left back a lot of the time, and that. So there's a lot of good fullbacks kicking about at that time. Um, so I was I was difficult for me, but I would have hoped to have at least managed to get in a few more squads to to try and get a cap or two more. I remember Chris Sutton listed off twelve players that were in front of him. And it was staggering, like Sheringham, Owen, Cole, um, Ian Wright. Like he just kept the list kept going and going and going. Ah, no wonder he didn't get a game then. That's understandable. My, li- <laughs> my list isn't quite as prestigious as that, but uh, no, that's a that's a good list. He can, I think, he can rest easy knowing that he only got one cap. Well, your family would have been proud regardless, though. Uh, how did they feel when you were involved with the national team? They loved that. I mean, ever since a young age, um, my mum and dad absolutely loved the fact that I was representing the country. And they, they would sometimes travel to come and come and see me um, play. They would, they would definitely go to all the home games. So when I got to the A squad, then I was absolutely, you know, I was, I was brilliant for them, you know, that... It was great for them just for me to get Celtic, the, the, the background my family have and big Celtic fans and that. But obviously matching that, they knew my ambition. They knew, they knew where I wanted to get to. I was quite restless with, with that. They knew my opinions on it, even though I went. You can never come out and say in the media when you're a current player, unless you're so brass that say, oh, I should be getting more caps or look, I'm playing Champions League football. How can I not even get in the squad? You can't say that openly. But you can see it behind closed doors. So my dad knew fine well what I felt about that situation. And he was probably the same. Um, but look, when, when I played, they were incredibly proud and they just hoped for more. Uh, I think I think they all thought I was just going to be, they, they'd just keep coming. But nah, nah, they didn't. And uh, looking back, as we come to the end of our conversation, was there ever a moment throughout your career where you thought, I have actually... I've done it. I've made it now. I've I have achieved what I set out to achieve, or did the whole thing just was it just one big massive blur for ten fifteen years where you were just going going going? That's pretty much it. I don't know what the other guys have said, but that's the way I feel. I think a lot of footballers will be the same. Don't get much time to sit and and reflect and where you've came from of what you've really done. It's just you know you go from day to day. Um, and and that's that. Even when it gets to the summer, you, you don't really take stock of what you've done. You maybe go away a holiday with your family, but you're right back into pre-season. And the pressure is constant. You know, the pressure even when you're just out and about with your family. 
eyes on you all the time. So you can never really just relax. Only when only when I, I retired, and even when I retired, it was still quite difficult to 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 kind of make peace with retiring so early. Kind of struggled with that. But you know, now that I've been retired for what seven years or something like that, I can say, well, you know, there's a lot to be proud of in there, um, in terms of the level I got to with with the injuries I had and I said at the start, I'm I'm well aware of how incredibly fortunate I was to, you know, represent Dundee United and and Celtic and and, and you know play for Scotland. So um, a lot that I've done that others would like to do. So I can't complain too much. No, you cannot. One last thing before we finish up: How important is it to do what you're doing now, which is to give back at the at, I suppose the very most a challenging part of grassroots football, which is helping kids, helping develop them to hopefully follow in your footsteps and hopefully someday someone in front of you will also be playing for the national team. How does it feel to be involved in that? Well, that's that's amazing. Um, with AR26, with Andy's charity, Andy realises what a fortunate position he's in and where we all came from, really, uh, here in Glasgow. Um, just seeing the, the, the cost of living crisis and the deprivation in some areas in, in Scotland is, is beyond belief. Football, cost in football nowadays, I pretty much know that I wouldn't have made it as a footballer um, with these costs. I wouldn't have got access to pitches. My mum and dad just simply couldn't afford it. So knowing that I'm part of something that, that allows kids to to play for free all year round. Um, and and we, we're never going to become a football club as a team, but we set them on the right pathway or we'll signpost them to the right clubs. It's incredibly rewarding being part of that. I'm fortunate that Andy's um, Andy's took me on board to do this, you know. And grassroots uh, stuff is difficult. There's no doubt about that. But um, it's fingers crossed that we're just giving these kids a, a good time, getting them active, and you never know. One of them could be the rising star that gets two caps and outdoes me in the end. <laughs> That's the goal, Mark. Thank you so much for your time. Much appreciated. Cheers, mate. Thank you. This has been Dr. James's One Cap Wonders. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with all of our latest episodes. 